podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Hello, welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey! hey. It's pod 374. Uh, and in a week where Harry caused plenty of problems for the palace, but enough about that interview, we'll be reviewing <laughs> that 4-1, too easy, that 4-1 defeat at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Uh, and to do that, I've got Kevin Day. Hello to you. Uh, hello. Yes, yeah, you banned James Endicott after last week's display of <laughs> <laughs> trying to distract you all the way through with his antics. I'm very well, thank you. Yes, who's going to do it this week then? Who's going to try and distract me? Oh, I don't think Jack Pierce will, but you never know. How are you? Well, I have been going through Abba's uh, catalogue, <laughs> so just to kind of see what see what happens. But uh, yeah, hello. Not, nice to be here again. Lovely to have you back. And Jesse Boyce is here as well. I can trust you not to disrupt proceedings, surely. I'm, I'm feeling obedient today, Jim. So uh, I'll do as I'm told and won't rock the boat too much. Um, yeah, happy to be here as usual. Thanks for rescuing me from uh, lockdown tedium. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we're here for. Um can we, before we move on to anything, uh, get a drum roll for a random patron, please? It's Mr. Richard Claridge. Hi, Richard. Oh, no, not no one with the sound and Claridge. <laughs> no. I thought someone might have no. on, take on Richard. Oh, that. I can't. Oh, that's taken me straight back there. Eight year old Jack is in bits. Oh, oh no. Eight. <laughs> Eight. 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 Yeah. Oh, God. Um, I couldn't drink. I couldn't, couldn't even drink it off. <laughs> <laughs> Lightweight. Yeah, 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 come on. You would have got served in the Pawsons. Yeah, very, very true. Uh, well, Richard has recently joined our patron, so welcome to you. We'll call him Richard C. Um, and you can also join our patron and get all the rewards, like post-match podcasts, patron-only merchandise, and access to the patron-only Watch the Club at patron.com forward slash FYP podcast. And last week on the pod, I teased our listeners by mentioning the FYP race Europe uh, fundraising on behalf of the Palace for Life Foundation. Kevin, I forgot to actually give the link out at the end of it, so they've had to wait a whole week for our Just Giving link. They're so patient, aren't they? I know. It's like every now and again, Christian Benteke rewards us with a goal, and every now and again, you get things right on the note. 
And they're, they're happy to wait. Our listeners are so loyal and patient. It's lovely. And they never say anything. They never say anything. But anyway, our, this is our Just Giving link. If you are able and would like to support us uh, during Race Europe, um, where we are all, me, Rob, Andy, Andy's brother Rich and Mike Wicks are running and cycling and doing whatever we can to tot up this total trying to get to 6,000k it's not just us alongside a few other palace fans as well uh, to raise money for the foundation uh, virtually we're in uh amsterdam now i think or on the way to copenhagen or something anyway enders endercott's in amsterdam virtually. <laughs> most, con- most of the time he's constantly in amsterdam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can sponsor us at justgiving.com forward slash fundraising forward slash fyp hyphen race hyphen europe what a really catchy url i chose there um and we'd appreciate any donations indeed um right jd can i just can i just apologize to richard there i feel like i've been a bit harsh <laughs> simply because of his surname but richard uh, um i'm sorry but if there's a peter lingard out there i'm not ready for you to join yet so. <laughs> yeah, that is too soon that one is too soon that is too soon i can't forgive that one yet but richard welcome aboard <laughs> right um Let's get on to this this 4-1 defeat then to Spurs, uh, Kevin, on uh, Sunday evening. Um, I've got a question here from, or a tweet here from, at that beardy bloke. That beardy. Um, and I think he sort of sums up certainly how we felt on the post-match podcast, but I'm interested to see how you feel. He says, is anyone else not actually feeling that bad after the Spurs loss? I felt like we, I felt like we were actually in it and just undone by some world-class quality up front from them, except the first goal. Have I gone mad or given up? Or should we expect more from a game like that? How did you feel? Uh, well, as I mentioned to you, JD, when I said to you yesterday, perhaps best not come to me first, because <laughs> I didn't actually see the game. You may recall me pointing out to you several times, because for once in my life, I was offered the chance to do a Zoom quiz by a friend of Ali hosted by a puppet, and I went for that option instead. <laughs> It's puppet Steve's very funny. So I, I just choked on my teeth. <laughs> so I didn't see the game live. I've seen the goals. Do you know, uh, do you know what? I, I, the, the first goal was a, was a mistake. Obviously, Luca mucked up. Uh, he, he made up for it with a, a really brilliant cross for the for our goal. And uh, you know, who knew what what would happen if you put a cross in for a six foot two mm. seven forward? Who knew? Mm. But to be perfectly honest, watching the highlights. I don't think you can really mo- you can't really point the finger at our defence for the goals. It's just in Son, Kane, and, and uh, Bale. They've got three world class players, and we we haven't. And every now and again, three world class players will combine to score top quality goals. I don't think there's a defence in the world that would have stopped Harry Kane's shot. Mm. To be perfectly honest, and you know, there, there's some people sort of mild mutterings about Gaeta, no keeper would have saved that. So, uh, in a way, I was, I, I was really when I saw when I came off the quiz and saw, as I knew it was one or when I and then, you know, when I realised it was four one, you kind of get annoyed. And then you watch the highlights and read the reports, and I think, I think Beardy Bloke's absolutely right. It, it, we were we lost to a, a, a decent side who haven't been on brilliant form, but happened to play really well in the second half. And from what I could tell on the limited highlights, we at least try. Maybe that's our problem. We 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 tried to get back in the game. Maybe that was the maybe that was the issue. But with with Wilf coming back and Sloppy getting fit, I think what we need to do is we need to. You know, we're 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 better than West Brom by the same factor that Tottenham are better than, than us. And what we need to do now is come out of that defeat to Tottenham and take the positives from from Sunday night and go at West Brom from the start because we know we're a better team than they are. 
nine times out of ten. So let's go out there and prove it and, and use the attacking talent we've got to play better than West Brom and, and beat them. And then I think we're we're safe. But I think if we hadn't had twenty four points, I'd have been losing sleep over that that result. But uh, but no, the performance from what I saw in the highlights was was all right, really, compared to what we've seen. In fact, there's more attacking intent that we've seen before even the, it's quite interesting as I watched the two minute highlights on Palace TV and then I watched the nine minute highlights expecting seven extra minutes of Tottenham <laughs> attacking and in fact there's quite a few bits of us going forward so no I'm with Beardy I'm, uh, I, it's, it's a, not a good defeat but it's not a, one to keep you awake at night Did you win the quiz? Uh, we nearly won it's not the winning that matters JJ <laughs> Again, it's, much it's like fair. the theme on this the podcast this week, actually. When it's, I was going to say when it's hosted by a puppet, but then you might get upset in case you feel I was talking about you. But it's <laughs> any quiz hosted by a puppet, it doesn't really matter if you win. You I win mean, I'm the puppet master. Okay. That's, <laughs> <laughs> yes, on. you are. Yes, you are, JD. You're the puppet master. Who's a good little puppet master? Then? You're, you're I'll take good. it. I mean, I'll take it. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't care. Um, uh, Jack, how did you feel after, after the game? And Kevin's right, there was. Uh, weirdly, away at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, where we have a terrible record, there was a bit more attacking intent, especially sort of getting back in to the game with that Benteke goal. And really, we were sort of undone. Yes, the first goal was an error on a couple of players' parts, but it did feel a bit more positive, didn't it? Despite the sort of four-one final score. Yeah, and I think um, I, I did a Spurs pod yesterday morning, which I was glad it was after I slept on it. <laughs> On straight after um, Spurs versus, who very kindly had us uh, had me on for FYP, and um, yeah, I think they took away from it that their finishing was just really on point. Yeah. And obviously, to, to echo you know Kev's point there about you know, you've got world class attackers and they have three you know top rate players at the top of the pitch. Um, if they do combine well, then they are going to pose any defence a problem. Um, a fit Bale is clearly a much better player than they've had for the first. Um, you know, two thirds of the season, they're 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 going to be a real handful if they keep all three fit for the rest of this season. And um, I think I said at the end of last week's pod that they have a you know real battle to get in the top four. But having those three at the top of the pitch does give them a chance. Um, and they showed against us that they only need a few chances to to take a game away. I mean, the, the five minute spell just after half time, um, we didn't do a lot wrong to be honest. I, I felt um, you know we weren't perhaps on them as, as sharply in midfield as we could have been particularly for the their second goal, um, Bale's header. Um, I feel like the cross came in a bit too easily and, and Kane's found some space at the back post and, and Bale's nabbed it in. But, I mean, Kale, that's uh, Kale. <laughs> Kale, the, the hybrid of <laughs> the two of them. No, Harry Kane's first goal is about as good a yeah. goal as you're going to see in the Premier yeah. League this season. Yeah. Um, and if anybody has any comment about Vicente Coita, I'd love to hear it because, you know, he may as well have not even bothered uh, flying for that one because that was in from the moment it left his foot. And that's what Kane can do. Technically, his ability to you know strike a ball so cleanly from anywhere um, is is there for all to see, and sometimes you just can't do anything about it. And I said on the the Spurs versus pod yesterday. Sometimes, and it doesn't happen very often, as an opposing fan, you just have to go, okay, yeah. that's a goal that you're not going to do anything about. Um, and the fourth goal again, nicely played. But in terms of the second half, you know, Wilf getting 45 minutes is really important for us. Um, I thought he looked quite sharp, given that he's missed five games of football. I thought, you know, his his interplay was um, was quite good. I thought he he burnt a couple of defenders, which was nice to see, um, and and had a great effort from from way out with his weaker foot. That you know, but for the post is 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 another goal for us. So I thought he looked really good. Good to see, you know, Jeff Schlupp get 
some more minutes as well. Those are obviously two very key players for the way that we play under Roy. So it's really good to see them back and, you know, ahead of West Brom, which is a more than winnable fixture. It's good to have your better players prepared for that game rather than, you know, had they not had the minutes. The only thing I was a bit perplexed by was that the sub at half time was, um, was for Eze rather than for Ayu. And I only say that about Ayu is that Ayu was on a booking. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and actually, if you look, I think it is the second goal. Um, Ayu doesn't look as committed towards a challenge in midfield as he might have done if he wasn't on the yellow. So I, I just kind of, that's the only criticism of, of Roy with the subs, because I thought the subs were positive and, and, and well-intentioned. It's just, I might have considered maybe, you know, taking Ayu off uh, instead of Eze. But that said, we know that Roy really trusts Ayu, particularly with the defensive side of game. It is nice to have you guys be so positive about this, because it is technically a 4-1 defeat. And I think there were pockets of Twitter that were indulging in the inevitable meltdown but actually there were positives there and as you say Zaha coming back Schlupp coming back the fact I think you talk about the Spurs being uh, ruthless up top I think they scored four I think they had five shots on target all game yeah and four of them were goals and in the same vein I think actually I saw a stat that our last four shots on target we've scored three of them as well so in yeah. a way we are I know we're not particularly sort of uh, profligate going forward but we are clearly being quite um, quite useful with that. And in fact, Jesse, let's... The first, oh, go on. Sorry, I was just going to say the first goal, you know, we shouldn't gloss over that. I mean, that was a, a horrendous goal to give away. And and you are right, it's not just Luca. Luca's going to take a lot of the blame for that, and rightly so. But the movement wasn't good enough and the passes weren't sharp enough to kind of get out of that box of three between Luca, Gyro and Joel Ward. And, um, you know, Luca is not the quickest and he's there to get his um, his pocket pinch times. At times, and and actually, Lucas Mora, who you know didn't get the headlines, I thought was excellent mm. throughout, was going to be on top of Luca if he had a chance, and he had that chance given to him, and and it's one 0 before mm. you know it. So I don't want to gloss over that goal because we shouldn't be conceding goals like that. But apart from that one, I don't think you can do anything about the other three. Yeah, it was it was collective responsibility because Luca sort of fires it into Joel Ward quite hard. Wardy's not really got anywhere to go. Fires it back into Luca, and then he's under pressure. And actually, if you then watch um, Bale's movement, Gyro sort of loses him in the middle as well. I look like his man. So as Celsius says on the post-match pod, it's normally at least two or three errors that lead to a goal and there was collective responsibility then. It was shame because actually we were, I thought we were playing quite well at that point. But again, at, at, against world-class teams like that, you give them half a sniff and they're going to punish you. Um, but the Benteke goal, Jesse, let, let's focus on that because it felt, and I said this on the post-match pod, it felt like a Benteke goal from 2016. Very straightforward, ball in the box, bullet header, and, and, and it, you know it shouldn't be forgotten that Spurs have some some big lads in their defence, and he gets up above them and and nods it in. And on that uh, on that subject, we had a, a question from FPL Taxi, which is a very interesting name. It said uh, Benteke must be the most misused player in our current setup. It's obvious that his strengths rely on crosses coming into the box, but we rarely seem to do this. Why? What are your thoughts on the goal and? Uh, and then FPL Taxi's question there. I think it's quite self-explanatory. Um, it's not. It's not an uncommon this sort of discussion that we've had before. And when um, Townsend's put in a cross for his um, recent header, Benteke, um, there was a little montage put together of when that's ha- happened a few times where Townsend's put it on his head. So it has been a subject of recent chat. And obviously Benteke's confidence is a bit higher than it has been for a long while so you trust him to at least get those on target these days whereas he's sort of scuffed a few of those before or completely missed it or put it at the keeper so there was real 
intent on his finish there, which was great. But what I thought was great was Luca and Eze were in each other's positions. Mm. So Eze's in the middle, and he's found Luca, and he was they were aware of that, which led to the, the chance. So I'd throw that into the mix, as well as adding to what Jack said around the, the substitution. I don't think Eze was terrible first half. In fact, he was alive to that opening. So that, that did flummox me a little in the same way. Um, <clears throat> I think... I'll add to your, your, your most recent little chat there about the goal and the two or three mistakes that led to the first goal. I, I, I'd throw something else in there, and that's Chiarte, because I know I've been quite a vocal critic of him at, at CB, but honestly, I think Harry Kane um, targeted him the other, the other night, because if you watch it back, Czech's just not alive to danger. Right? As soon as Harry Kane, is, there's nothing between him and the goal there, and Wardy's giving it back to Luca. Put Gary Cahill or a, a fit Sacco in Czech's position, which is by the touchline. Um, as soon as as soon as he's realised that Kane is basically nothing between him and God, he should be tucking in. Cahill or, or a better defender would be tucking in. You watch it again; he's out of the game. He's literally standing by as if he's about to take a throw on, and that leaves Kane to go in, and the rest is history with, with the bail finish. And then I noticed it a couple more times. Um, Kane peels off him for that, um, for, the, for the third goal, I think. He peels off. Uh, and there's also a couple of free headers where he's just flat-footed. I just feel like Harry Kane has gone, I can either go up against Gary Cahill, who has had the better of me for the last 10 years here and there, mm. or I can test out the, the midfielder at centre-back and peel off him a few times. And on, on, no joke, if you watch it back with that in mind, I think that's what you can take from it. So that, that just annoyed me again, basically, that I think that you can't go up against Bale, who's, you know, found his mojo. Um, Son's looking like sort of been, been left out of the, uh, the loving between Kane and Bale at the moment. So there's so much verve and energy in that side. Um, but having said all that, I will finish on a slight positive. I think if we'd had three or four points less on the board, you wouldn't be seeing... Hodgson brings Zaha on at half time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, this, yeah. you know, this, this feels like we're finishing the season with a lot less risk um, averse kind of decisions being made by Roy. So that's, that's a plus. I think it looks like we're going to try a few things out and at least try and um, take the game to, to these teams rather than too many more of these nil-nils that we've been seeing recently. But the the point about Kiyati, Jesse, is, is a fair one, but it opens a wider question, which is why has he been first choice centre back for the whole season? Is you if you cast if you cast your mind back to the very first pod of the season that we did, and we talked about the, the fact that Don Firefield had dropped really heavy hints that he thought that Kiyati was going to be first choice at centre back, and we we're all going, "Why? Well, I don't understand why that would be with the options that we've got." But it but it has been. And eventually, he's done a decent job, I think, at centre-back, particularly well in the last two games. But eventually, up against, you know, most centre-backs will struggle against yeah. Harry Kane. And and if he did target him, then you, you can understand why. So it's like, but I think the brilliant thing about Benteke goal as well is that that would have really upset Sam Allardyce because the West Brom coaching team would have been looking at that going, ah, oh, shit, they remembered how to do it, <laughs> basically. Because that gives West Brom a, a problem that they I think they probably thought they wouldn't have to face. They probably thought that if Benteke was starting, they'd be perfectly happy to deal with it. And now, you know, if you look at you know, Wilf Eze, Mateta, Benteke between them, there's, there's four decent options. 
And I, I don't think West Brom would have would have looked at Benteke as a, as a source of goals. They would have looked at him being somebody they would easily mark out of the game. And yet Tottenham found that difficult when he scored that goal really, really well. So that's given us an option that I think West Brom probably thought they wouldn't have to worry about. And I, I think I think everybody's right. I think that sh- there should be enough confidence taken out of that, uh, the attacking intent. I've, I've got a feeling, the a substitution thing's really into I've got a feeling that perhaps Roy didn't want to risk both Wilf and Eze getting injured. Maybe, yeah, maybe. With, yeah. with, with Wilf coming back, why take the risk that both your your most creative, potentially match-winning players are going to get hurt in the same game? Um, and maybe that's why, Maybe or maybe it's just simply he prefers IU's work rate or, or whatever. But it was it was an interesting one, but it's, it's still bringing Wilf on at that stage was a, was a really un-Hodgson-like call. Really on Hodgson like calls. I didn't think he would bring him on at all. And yeah. I think I think perhaps if Spurs had scored the second goal at the end of the first half rather than us, I don't think he would have brought him on. But Roy for some reason thought we can win this game and went for attacking intent. And that's that was really good to see. And and Wilf looked like he'd missed football as well, which was good. Hmm. Yeah, I mean Roy made three subs for the seventy fifth minute, mm. which is very un Roy indeed. And we're gonna come on to an athletic article in a minute about being a bit more a bit more attacking intent so um that that does chime in um the Kyoto thing is interesting as well because uh, uh, Dom's and Selzy both said this on the post-match pod that really it comes down to options because we were sort of saying well where you know where's Martin Kelly in the mix but yeah. essentially uh, it's pace apparently and Kyoto pretty much is the only centre-back available that has a bit of pace Cahill we know doesn't and there's a lack of options and Scott Dan doesn't there's a lack of options elsewhere yeah. Kelly's not the paciest so you need you can't have two slow centre-backs you need someone there with pace and Kiate does have that but I mean as you say Jesse you make a slight error of judgment against teams like this you will get caught out and and he absolutely did for his his positioning there but as Kevin says he's done a good job for us over the season really playing there and it is an area that Palace will need to look at in the summer as are plenty of other areas um in the summer as well um, yeah I think that's all fair I think <clears throat> what's interesting is I've been I've been quite fascinated by the, the Liverpool um, sort of implosion and just I think it's just it's, there is a point to this towards Palace but I'll just give you the context so you know the seven the seven changes that Klopp made and everything so I've been trying to just keep an eye on I just, you know it's, in a bit of AFTV style it's quite interesting just to see how the Liverpool fan base deal with this uh, and I did see quite a sort of common uh, opinion amongst Liverpool fans that dropping their midfielders into the centre back positions really messed with the, with everything yeah. because yeah. Um, they're not bringing in like the fullbacks for Liverpool aren't being brought into play as much as they were they were last year where uh, Wijnaldum or Henderson or uh, Fabinho were bringing them in to play and therefore creating chances for the front three so they they think a lot of there's a there's a popular opinion that that's flummox that team and in how it's set up obviously i'm not saying that palace are affected in the same way but there is something in the fact that we're missing kiate in midfield in certain games uh and seeing him in cb instead and you know everything that goes with it you know if you if you want to see even more angry fans jesse uh kieran mcguire pointed me towards a couple of brighton message boards after they lost to leicester and i think the potter loving is is beginning to, to lose a bit of its a, a bit of its affection is like you know a team that keeps playing the same way week in week out with the same result. Uh, yeah, well, they, yeah, they might be XG champions, but yeah. unfortunately that won't uh, they won't keep you up. They are they are very very worried. Yes, Brighton fans that I know they are absolutely petrified. They they they're even looking at the Newcastle game as the shootout. Wow, and, really? Um, 
yeah, they're they're thinking that you know Newcastle will come ten behind the ball and piece of magic from someone. I don't know who. Maybe Steve Bruce himself will have to come <laughs> on and do something. I don't know. But um, they, I mean, they look terrible against West Brom. I, I think Brighton's fans' fears are misplaced. Mm. I think they'll be okay because because Newcastle looks so bad. But that said, you you just don't know, do you? When you're when you're that close, um, Koyate is an interesting one for me because his absence of the midfield also makes you know our lack of pace in the midfield quite obvious to me. And at times we are we've talked about it before. We're so turgid in the middle of the park yeah. in terms of you know getting around the middle of the pitch and also you know the passes. I know Lucas you know created a very good chance for, for PVA against United and put the goal on the plate for Benteke last week. But typically it's just not really enough in the midfield. And that's because they're missing one of their key, you know, factors of the previous couple of seasons is Koyate. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to hear that, you know, Don Fifield considered it likely that Koyate was going to be our first choice centre-back when a lot of people have him as their first choice mm-hmm. central midfielder yeah. as well, which just points to me as a, you know, bit of a gap in our recruitment over the last two to three seasons that we haven't really considered that he can't play in both positions at the same time. And, um, you know, I get why he's playing at centre-half. I get that he probably wants, or Hodgson wants a bit of, familiarity with the same partnership starting and you know to be fair him and Gary Cahill had been part of two clean sheets in a row um, beforehand and both performed very very well at the Amex um, ahead of that the consecutive uh, clean sheet so he has done well there but Jesse's spot on in in that you you could probably pinpoint Kuyate as not a natural centre-half by instances such as letting the best striker in England have a five-year five-yard head start going into the box so yeah hopefully that's something that's addressed this summer um, but also his his absence from the reckoning in midfield is something that I think does need to be addressed too. Well, the other, the other issue in midfield is that when you've got players that are, are a bit older and maybe lack that pace and dynamism, nine times out of ten we're starting off outnumbered in midfield anyway. Because so Very so true. few Premier League teams start with a just with just two in midfield, and you have to find someone from somewhere else to come in and from out wide to to make up the numbers. So, if if you're already outnumbered and you haven't got that energy and that ability to move to get around that pitch, you you start off with a problem basically, and that's where you see a lack of creativity because you have to get the ball as quickly as you possibly can to the numbers where we do have parity which is out yeah. wide or lump it up front. So that's, yeah, we haven't got time to be creative in midfield because we're a player short and the, the the players we have got in there, it's all hands to the pumps from the start quite often. Well, and, but for injury, I don't think Gyro's starting at the moment. Yeah, I, I think he's had a run of games, hasn't performed brilliantly. Yeah. And if James McCarthy had avoided, um, you know, whatever uh, pull that he's, he had against United, he's starting against Tottenham and, and Gyro has to work his way back in. He hasn't been as on it as he was in his first spell in the team back in the autumn. And, Perhaps that's, you know, he doesn't perform as well with, with Luca than he does with, with James MacArthur. But yeah, Luca and Gyro, you know, it's, it's not the most uh, dynamic midfield. Um, so, uh, you know, as we've said before, it's definitely need to, to look at that central midfield area that's, that, in the summer. That's, I can't remember, was, was it the Man United game that Gyro missed or the Fulham game? Uh, Man United, Man United the McCarthy played McCarthy, really, really yeah, well. Because yeah. Tyler and Neville several times made the point about Riedewald, uh, A, being tired, they said he's tired, but they also made the point that he was a converted defender. They very much said he's a defender who's struggling for fitness because he's not used to playing. And, and yet I thought, along with Jack, when he first came into that central midfielder, I thought he looked really good and really comfortable, both going forward and going backwards. But it's interesting that, you know, pundits and experts think that he's he's better off presumably had they mean as a as a left back I would guess I don't know but uh clearly he's not a natural central midfielder in the Premier League 
Yeah, I think we missed James MacArthur as well. We know that MacArthur's legs aren't what they were, but his his running... He does get about. He gets about, yeah. and we know from what Dom has said that he's very vocal on the sidelines as well, so clearly organises things in there, and I think we have missed that. Is, is he inside or outside the ground at the moment? What's... Uh, Dom? He's just very loud wherever he is. I just wonder if he's in a car park <laughs> just shouting <laughs> in. Uh, <laughs> could be, could be. Um, let's take a quick break there. Uh, we're going to move on to part two, where we're going to read an article from The Athletic. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey. Hey. Part two, where we read an article from The Athletic. They're a world-class team of writers covering every club, including the best coverage, Crystal Palace, subscription-based website, an app completely ad-free, no ads, no pop-ups, just brilliant articles. Welcome to the new home of football writing. I'm going to stop saying that bit. It's it's it's, it's old. Um, and if you visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FYP, you can start a subscription for just £1 a month, which is a bargain. Also tonight, they're doing a quiz. Dom and Ed are hosting a Palace-themed quiz on Zoom. Uh, so public, be, isn't it? I, I don't, yes, yes, Ed Mallion is 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 hosting. Oh, Anyway, this week's article is from Matt Woosnam, and it's about and we alluded to it or Jesse alluded to it in part one. Palace sort of throwing off the shackles. Before I do that, I want to give a shout out to an article that Dom has done with Craig Foster, former Palace Australian midfielder, um, now turned political activist, and he is working incredibly hard. In Australia, uh, one particular case, an asylum seeker, a bah- Bahraini footballer called Hakim Al Arabi, um, and it's an. It's a, I'm only halfway through the article because I generally started crying halfway through. It's incredibly moving, and oh. Craig Foster's doing some unbelievably good work and really shining a light on uh, some of the issues surrounding asylum seekers uh, and footballers as well. So, genuinely. That if you're not a subscriber, do subscribe and read that article because it is absolutely fantastic. And that is it's a sensational work that Craig Foss has done the last few years. Yeah. Not just about for export exportsmen, the the kind of work he's done in, in kind of general human rights side of things is 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 quite sensational. Yeah, it's absolutely unbelievable. Um and I didn't rate him when he was at Palace, so all credit to I him. don't think many people did either. I mean <laughs> very average midfielder, but he's turned into an exceptional human being. So absolutely fair play to him. Yeah. Um so I wanted to give a nod to that. Uh this week's article though is called Once Safety is Confirmed, Palace Have to Throw Off the Shackles. I'll come to Jesse first because you did mention it in part one. Um and there's a clip here. Let me read it out. Um achieving safety as soon as possible is critical to enabling the conditions for a more progressive style until Hodgson is free of the shackles that bind him to an entirely risk-averse strategy, he will not change. That does not necessarily mean diverging significantly from what has gone before or even reverting to the relatively and marginally more adventurous style that Palace had tried earlier in the season. There has been little sign of genuine counter-attacking football. Hodgson conceded that his team had passed the ball too slowly in the first half at Spurs, but that has been a common complaint. Um, the the counter-attacking bit, uh, interested me jesse because we've built a reputation being counter-attacking football but we generally we haven't seen it much recently have we not so much i think there's been a lot of caution just limping towards safety right so 
just making sure we pick up a point here and a point there. Yeah, but maybe we'll start to see what I call the kind of uh, back end of the season where PVA is allowed to venture into the other half before an hour has gone on the clock. So, you know, I and mean, that's when PVA, PVA always starts to pop up with goals towards the end of the season, doesn't it? Because there's, there's less caution in the, in the way that we're, we're playing. So, yeah, you'd like to see those kind of effects. Like, you think about, was it 5-3 we bought, beat Bournemouth the other year? And yeah. End of the, those sort of results are coming. You know, hopefully we'll start to end the season with a few more goals to our name and then wonder why we haven't played like that earlier in the season, knowing full well that that's, that's the MO for Roy. The thing is, even if we are, or when we're safe, I think we are definitely going to be safe, without a crowd in Sellers Park, there's no need for him to throw off the shackles. Why Why would he suddenly say, right, lads, yeah, we're on Amazon Prime, let's give them a good game. And I suspect that if, if fans are allowed, and it looks like fans will be allowed in for the last two games, so we will be able to get to see, I mean, it's Arsenal, isn't it? It's the, Arsenal and Liverpool, yeah. Yeah, so we might be able to get into the Arsenal game, which would be great. I suspect that, he might say, well, let's try and put on a show for the 12,000 or 6,000, whoever it is to see it. But he's, he's got no motive to, to throw off the show. The players might tell him to. But I thought what was interesting in the, the Matt Woosnam article as well was he, he talks about Chris Coleman saying that Palace's plan B is to do plan A better. Mm. And that's, although, interestingly, I was uh, quite bemused by the amount of tweets I got, furious at Chris Coleman for using the phrase typical Palace. <laughs> he did it like as, a minute. As, 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 as somehow we should have trademarked it. Somebody, <laughs> somebody else is saying typical. And it also worries me as well because it sounded like, from what I could hear, that Chris Coleman was after the job. It's like when Mark Hughes was talking about it. He wants a job. Mm. But I, I, I don't think the shackles will come off necessarily. I, mean, I think, and I, it's an interesting debate as to whether that's happened deliberately or not. Because in the last, in Roy, at the end of each of Roy's seasons, we've looked more entertaining and more enterprising, mainly by virtue of letting, as Jesse says, PVA get forward earlier. But I just don't think it's in Roy's nature to suddenly at the age of 72 go, right, this could be the last six or seven games I ever manage. Let, let, if they score four, let us score five. It's just not... And I'm not sure we've got the players to do it either, to be perfectly honest. You you can't imagine him saying, right, we'll, we'll play Wilf, Eze, Mateta and Benteke in the same team, see what happens. It's just it's just not in, in Hodgson's DNA. And, it's, and again, like I say, without fans there to worry about it, I don't... I don't think I don't think Roy sees it as an entertainment business. I don't think Roy's that fast. It's, yeah. it's purely results as far as he's concerned. It's very difficult when you've spent forty years in football playing one way. I think to, then, to yeah. then change it for no particular reason other than to entertain fans that aren't in the stadium. I mean, yeah. actually, when you say it like that, it doesn't it doesn't really make sense. And, it, and the, the article does reference the return of Jeff Schlupp and Zaha. And this is the thing, Jack. We talk about it a lot, but it does come down to options and recruitment and the play. If you got the players to do it, great. And when we had Loftus Cheek and we had Wilf and Andros up top, and you know, it and Kabai midfield, it was easy to do that. But when you haven't got the options, it, it, it you can see the logic behind not playing that way. But I, I, I nearly mentioned this part one, I forgot, but I thought Mateta did look quite good when he came on. So that gives me a little bit more hope that Palace might throw caution to the wind. But how confident are you of, of, of seeing it at all towards the end of the season? I guess it depends on Roy's buy-in for next season, regardless of whether he's manager or not, because, yeah. you know, something like seeing Mateta a little bit more would obviously benefit Crystal Palace Football Club next season, regardless of whether Roy's the manager or not. Um, you know, we know that Mateta's going to be around next summer, uh, sorry, next season. We don't know whether Benteke will be, but Roy clearly trusts Benteke with the defensive side of the game a bit yeah. more. 
Um, so I, I think it depends on Roy's buy-in from, you know, I don't know whether Doug Friedman or Steve Parrish would just say, how about giving Mateta a few more minutes here and there? I don't know whether Roy would say, okay, that's fine, or you leave the football to me while I'm still in charge. I think yeah. it, it, it really does depend on what Roy's mindset is. And I think, we, you know, we speculated a few weeks ago that he's not that happy at the moment. I think he feels he's being uh, judged illly um, for for doing a good job. I think he feels the criticism is a bit unfair and perhaps he's right in parts. Um, but so I don't know whether that puts him in a place where he will want to see Palace, you know, take off the shackles and and go for it. Um, but it must be said that we have played some very nice football under Roy. Um, and, you know, Jesse and Kevin are both right. He's often towards the end of the season. One game that really does bring to mind is the Leicester 5-0 at yeah. the end of his first season. Yeah. For me, that was one of the best performances I've seen by a Palace team at home ever. Mm. You know, we were absolutely sensational yeah. that afternoon. We'd have, beat, we'd have beaten any team in the league that day. Um, but you're right, JD. We we had Ruben off the street, um, Johan Kabay and, and, you know, a fully fit Wilf, um, you know, all, all guns blazing. Um, that afternoon um, and, and options have obviously been an issue for us this season I think Roy's main option uh, sorry main aim this season is to keep us up and as soon as we are up mathematically it may well just naturally happen that we you know don't play as restrictively as we have done um, for, for most of this season but I still don't know when that's going to be because you know while Fulham picking up points um, and even if they take even if they you know overtake one team to go into the um into the relegation zone, you know, we're not mathematically safe until we are mathematically safe. And that's not likely to happen until the last five games or four or five games. So I still think there's a fair few weeks of, or perhaps not the most pleasing football to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think the West Brom game is going to be five all, is it? Let's put it, <laughs> let's put it that way. Do you mean shots at all? Possibly. I'd, I'd, I'd say that. But, um, <laughs> well, they yeah, have. That one, as, that, that, that's one for the purists, that one. Well, as Matt has mentioned, though, they are West Brom on the team with the joint fewest goals scored and the highest number conceded. So if there's any game, Jesse, where Palace <laughs> legitimately could go for it. Well, well hang and, on a second. How many goals have Burnley scored away before they scored um, three against us? They yeah, were the second, they were the second yeah. lowest away scorers. Not it? since 1949, I think, yeah. that was the last time they scored away from home. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, but it is a, the West Brom game is an opportunity, I guess, Jesse, to, to to potentially do that with Wilf back, with Jeff back. But the Kevin's point about the fans not being there is such a valid one, and we come back to it a lot on this pod. If that was a full Selhurst, you know, on on a on a on a a sunny sort of March afternoon, then maybe it would. But it is you can almost see that the players think this is what this feels like a training game, so. There is there is that lacking, that spark is lacking without the fans there. Yeah, and I think Rob's mentioned it a few times that if anyone's benefited from the fans not being there in a strange way, it's Roy, who's who's only missed out on a, some volatile sort of barracking, I think, for yeah. the way we've been playing. So he probably, a bit like David Moyes, like definitely sort of probably enjoyed a little bit not having the crowd telling him what to do and doing things on his own terms this season. I mean, West Brom don't know that they've given up yet, though. They, I think Allardyce has got, is getting out of them as much as he can, and they're still picking up draws here and there. So I don't expect them to throw in the towel yet. I don't think they would. I think Allardyce would let them in the same way Sheffield United seems to have given up the ghost. And, it, you know, it's, I don't think there's a lot to play for down there, but Newcastle and Brighton, like, you, like it's been said, must be worried about the fact those teams are picking up points. I'm pretty. Sh- I'm pretty sure if it's not been talked about yet, they'll 
Brighton fans will be saying they've let Murray go six months early because yeah. they'd love to bring him yeah. on. Don't tell me they wouldn't like him to come on yeah. for 10 minutes at the end of the, the games they're having right now. To, to be honest, I mean, a, a point on Saturday, we was 35, which has been enough, I think, in the past three seasons to keep a team up. And a win almost certainly will, will keep us up. And again, Roy will point out that's the earliest we'll have been safe in inverted commas for for a long time. But you just what you hope is that Roy says, well, let's try and win it. And if we get a point, we get a point, rather than what he has done in home games like Newcastle say, well, let's try and keep the point that we start with. Because there's no two ways about it. At this stage of the season, the league table doesn't lie. We're a better team than West Brom are. We've we've got you know they've brought in make the Niles a bit but we've got better individual players especially up front and we you know if if we beat them five one away from home you would you would expect us to beat them comfortably at home and you just want for once for Roy to go well let's you know let's start with Schlupp let's start with Wilf and and Eze and 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 see what happens. And then get and then get you know let's let's get two nil up and then go defensive rather than the other way around you know so you, because these are you know, Sheffield United probably Sheffield United and West Brom are the last two games you'd say these these are games we should definitely win there are others like Villa and Southampton you'd say yeah we can beat them but we've got a couple of tough games so let's let's just impose ourselves and win the games because we are we are so I mean the, the thing is as well because it would need it's not just Fulham you have to look at and fair play to Fulham I think Parker's done a fantastic yeah. job mm-hmm. with Fulham he's really somehow I know they brought Anderson in at the back and Madger up front he's really got that balance right between defence and, and attack fair play to him but it's it's not just them it's you it, Newcastle Brighton and Burnley would all have to start winning games that they don't look like winning to be perfectly honest and I think Newcastle and Brighton you know last game of the season is Fulham Newcastle Newcastle made a huge fuss about the fact it would be unfair if if fans were only allowed back in for that that last game because there'd be no Newcastle fans and only Fulham fans so that indicates to me that already they're thinking that might be the game that they have to win to stay up so I, I I don't think that I think it's noticeable as well when you look when when on Sky or BBC they show the league tables they they don't go up as far they all think Southampton beating Sheffield United made them safe they they you know no one thinks Leeds are a point ahead of us no one thinks that Leeds are going down no one thinks the Wolves are going down we're only a point behind we're only four points behind Arsenal I think whatever it is there's no well, I think pe- people are thinking that Leeds are preparing for a Champions League bid next season and we're still yeah. worried about relegation this season. We're only a point behind them. So, yeah, you're right. It is the perspective that is, is but, different in certain places. But Leeds is a really good point, Jack, because, you know, people talk about, oh, Hodgson plays the same way every time. So Leeds play exactly the same way every time. Yeah. And and sometimes it works. And sometimes they've conceded more goals in the first half than any other team in the Premier League. Yeah. And they could have yeah. been 5 nil down against West Ham yeah. last night after. And they still keep playing the same football. And it's yeah. fun to watch, but they've only got one more point than we have. By playing really good, fun to watch football. Absolutely right. Um, let's take a break. Uh, oh, but I need to remind you first that you can read that article and plenty more at The Athletic. And if you visit theathletic.co.uk forward slash FIP, you can start a subscription for just £1 a month. So we've got uh, to read the article, we've got to listen to the pod extra. You, you ask people to do a lot for the day. It's like school. I, 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 want them to know, I want them to be committed. I want to know yeah. they're committed to this to this podcast. Um, speaking <laughs> of... Well, it's pod extra. Andy Street never turns up, so why should they be more committed than Andy Street is? That is a question for another podcast. <laughs> He's uh, been called out. He's been 
called out every week. Uh, yeah, well, he's like he's, he's, he works for the lawyer equivalent of Pimlico Plumbers, doesn't he? Really, so he gets <laughs> he gets called out on short notice for legal emergencies what? and charges. Has to be vaccinated. <laughs> Has to be vaccinated immediately. You are very lucky that he doesn't listen. Doesn't listen. Do our listeners do our listeners get a uh, FYP certificate if they complete your home learning, Jim? <laughs> uh, that would be good. Um, Anyway, look, we're gonna. I'm not even gonna introduce it in the next part. I'm just gonna do it now. This is a clip from uh, the Pod Extra with Dom Selzy and Rob um, after that game at Tottenham. So uh, that'll be in after the break now. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. In terms of the second half, we should probably go into that because the first half really was was down to to you know the the performance. Um, when we brought Wilf on and when we brought Schlupp on, you could see a difference in how Palace played and a little glimmer of hope in terms of what we might be able to see for the rest of the season with the two players back. Um, Mark, what did you think of Wilf's return to the team and then also the introduction of Schlupp as well? Uh, I I think that. Uh... You know, they both looked rusty. Uh, they they made a difference. There's absolutely made a difference. But I think some of the things that we were trying to do just weren't going to come off today, or clearly didn't come off today. That maybe in a match or two they might come off. Hopefully against West Brom next week. Um, but uh, yeah, I do think that uh, um, they were rusty and it, it showed. But you know, I, I did think Roy did the right thing to bring them on, give them some game time in a game that we, you know, was clearly not a must win game for us. Um, and hopefully that will help them to find some form and uh, forthcoming matches. Um, Mark, do you, sorry, Rob, Mark, I'll put this to everyone. Do you think that was the right time for Roy to bring Will Fon? Uh, well, given, the, uh, given, uh, given we'd scored before half time. Yeah, I was, I mean, very unroy like. Yeah. To make three times before seventy-five minutes, <laughs> very unlike. But I, 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 I think, despite the fact that we had scored a goal, I, I have no idea. But my guess is he was thinking, well, this isn't a must-win game. Let's give them some time. You know, if actually, you know, lo and behold, Wolf sets up a goal or scores a goal, fantastic. Uh, likewise with Schlub, but otherwise, let's give them a run out and you know build their match sharpness fitness etc etc so uh as i say very unlike roy but you know he does throw in some surprises sometimes just when you think he's really boring <laughs> i think i think the thing as well is you have to kind of factor in the west brom 
the, the West Brom game next week um, into that because you want Wilf playing in that yeah. game. You know, you want him to be playing, and you could see, I think, from the from the moments that he was on the pitch, whenever he did have those short, sharp bursts of, of forward running and things like that, um, he he was blowing. He was. It, it, this is why players start from the bench rather than you know immediately come back into the team, because match fitness is not just it's not just being able to run; it's being able to run at your fullest and at your at your best. Um, Adam, what were your thoughts on on Wilf's return to the side? Is that do you think that that is with West Brom kind of in mind? No, I'm not sure. I think he, I think you know, you're talking about the substitutes. We actually had substitutes that we could bring off the bench tonight who could make a difference to the game in terms of carrying the ball, Slup and Wilfred. So you know, it was when those options are open, and we looked a much better attacking unit with those players on the pitch. So, again, when we talk about the manager and the style and all that sort of stuff, so much of it just comes down to personnel. You know, I think, I, I mean, as he didn't have a particularly effective first half, he wasn't really in the game. Um, I don't know if he had a knock or anything like that that, um, that, that, that led to that substitution, but I thought as I said to you earlier, that IU might be the one to make way just because of the, the the yellow card situation. And I was worried that he'd get a second and go. But I think, you know, it's encouraging to have those players back. And it certainly, we, we look a much better threat with those players on the pitch. And I think, you know, on another day, I mean, Wilfred's hit the post second half as well, was unlucky. You know, I think... He, he might have got himself on the score, so he was narrowly offside a few times. But there were some good moments and some some bits of encouragement, really. So we, we certainly caused him a few problems here and there. But, um, you know, as I said, the game's won and lost in both boxes. And in our box tonight, they were really, really sharp. And we didn't get close enough to them a couple of times, and, and it cost us. Mark, can I just say that, that it's not, not normal on this podcast for, for Jim to undress midway through, and, and not, <laughs> neither is it normal for him then to thrust his groin at the screen either, so uh, apologies. I, I didn't see that. I, well, I didn't notice. I was concentrating on uh, There's my not much to see, Adam, so I wouldn't worry. <laughs> so, I wanted I wanted to ask while you're talking about it, do you think uh, Chris Coleman's a fan of the podcast? Because he mentioned Typical Palace about three times in the first half. Yeah. That or he's a mate of Laurie Dahl's, I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, it did come out, didn't it? Yeah, he was. Uh, I thought he actually was quite interesting on the pod. He made, uh, sorry, on the, on the commentary, he made quite a few kind of, like someone who has been watching Palace quite a bit this season, I think, Um it was interesting. I, 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 you can clearly tell that Chris Coleman is looking for a, for a new job, you know, for, for an opportunity. Perhaps he thinks that that is, uh, that Palace is, is the club for him, but I don't think Palace fans would be entirely enamoured with that. Um, what do you, what did you think of the, of, of the, I mean, we're going around, we're asking everybody what, what they thought of Wilf's introduction. What about Schlupp? Do you think that uh, that will be one of those, I mean, it, it the thing is, when you bring in players like Schlupp, and when you bring in players like Wilf, someone in the team is going to is going to miss out. Who do you think that would be, Dom, if we end up seeing both Wilf and Schlupp come into the side? It's a really good question. That on, on Friday, um, it, that Roy's pre-match press conference, admittedly ahead of a game against Spurs, which is always going to be quite daunting, and on the back of 
a game against Manchester United in midweek. Um, I, w- I wanted to get him talking about how he's managed to to tighten up in those t- in those few games. Um, I know that's all been blown out of the water this, this evening a bit, but but I was expecting him to big up the the performances of of Cahill and Ward and people like that, Kiate, PVA, etc. What he actually said was the two players that have made the most difference in terms of tightening it all up were Ayu and Townsend. And I'd think that those two were the guys that would be most at threat now that Schlupp and Wilf are, are back, um, most likely. Um, so you're basically asking a team that has been playing quite effectively, not necessarily well, but quite effectively one way, has to go completely the other way now and 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 play expansive again and expansively again rather and uh, yeah it's it's a good question because that, that is looking at the looking at the run in that West Brom is the opportunity just to put any remaining lingering doubts um, over relegation to bed you just want them to to get a nice victory in that match which would which would be it for for Sam Allardyce and, and West Bromwich Albion, I'd imagine. Um, but to do that, you've got to you've got to unpick them. Um, and I think, I mean, it'd be very interesting. By the end of this podcast, we should know whether Eze's been carrying a knock, whether he's been injured in that first half, because it, it did seem a bold substitution to do just as just as Eze had already woken up as well. Because that five ten minutes before half time, when Palace did start seeing more of the ball and 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 playing better at, at Spurs tonight. Eze was actually quite instrumental in that. He was actually getting on the ball more and, mm-hmm. and doing those gliding runs that we, we know he's capable of. So if he has been injured, then, um, and would render him a doubt for next week, then I'd imagine you'd see Schlupp probably coming in on the left of midfield um, and maybe Townsend on the right. And then you've got a decision to make who, who plays off, off Benteke. And I imagine that, that would have to be Wilf. Um, but but then you are accepting that you're going to be more vulnerable defensively, and you're just hoping that you've got a better class of player in your team than West Bromwich Albion have. And to be fair, we probably do. To be honest, even with all the injuries, unless they lose other people in midweek, I think we probably have got enough to get past them. Time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Five Pan Podcast. That was a clip from our pod extra that Kevin never listens to. Um, and you can join our patron at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast and get the pod extra every game immediately. Well, a few hours after final whistle. Um, right. Part four is questions. Man, we are running over massively. So I'll do a couple of questions uh, and then we will move on to part five. Paulie Mantel. Hi, Paulie. Well, great name. Hello, Paulie. Great name. Sounds like a Sounds like she's being good fellas. Um, says, I cannot wait for the season to end. How do you guys feel? And, and on a similar vein, Kevin, the reddest of sticks. I wonder what that's a reference to. Um, that's their name. Says, um, when do we stop looking at this season and start looking at next? Especially since we've <laughs> a good number of players out of contract and Roy, and Roy as well. Are you 
Are you ready for the season to end? Uh, do you know what? I think if you ask 99% of football fans, they're probably ready for the season to to end. It's. I, th- I think most of us thought, I, I certainly did back in September, I thought the fans would be back by now. I thought, well, I thought the initial lockdown would last four weeks, and that's it. But it's just we've just passed the year anniversary of the last game at, at Sellers Park. It, it it isn't the same. I don't think even Man City fans will enjoy. They'll be delighted that they won the title when they do win it. But it it'll always have an asterisk by it, really, to be perfectly honest. And it's just, I think it's a season we all pretty much want to forget. Really, I think the broadcasters would like to put it behind them. I think most people in the game would like to put it behind them. Yeah, the hope is that we, we, yeah, we will stay up, and then the hope is that we can look forward to the Euros with with some people in the in the games that take place in in England and and Scotland, and that we see some good football. But it, we just have, and you mentioned it earlier. It's, it's so hard for players. I, I did a referees podcast yesterday, and they were talking about the fact that referees are saying they they hate it with no crowd because they're not as sharp they're not there's no adrenaline for them players players hate playing in front of no fans they hate it you just can't so there's no you know also they're knackered because they're playing so much football yeah so there, there, there are barely any games that you don't stop watching after five ten minutes anyway that's like you know it's an exercise for, for me with no work it's an ex every day it's an exercise in getting through the day basically essentially like bargain hunt helps thing that's the first we've got to bargain hunt that's good fantastic and then you think it was a game at six o'clock brilliant that's fantastic ten past six you know jeez oh, i didn't take pointless i could be watching that there's no <laughs> it's, it's so rarely there hasn't been any games that have, that have really riveted and it's like the, the palace the nil nil against man united that would have been fantastic at that sellers park because mm. as each minute counted down towards what is a, a really unusual good point for us it's just guys you're watching on telly and it's just like i'll just flick over and hopefully it'll still be nil nil when i flick back again it's like i i can't i really can't wait for this season to end and just fingers crossed that when when it starts again in in september it will be under reasonably normal circumstances. I don't know if you saw the good news this week that the Paulson's Arms has been bought by Bev and Graham, who Lovely. have been the landlords for some time. They've bought the pub. So that that was one fantastic bit of good news that we know it's, uh, as Bev said, it's pal- the pub will be palace till they die. But the fact that that's there waiting for us is is, mm. is great. And of course we, we can't, and also what we said this before, I, I guarantee that within five minutes of the first game, we'll be moaning. As soon as we're back in, yeah, we'll, we'll be there going. We'll be singing glad all over at the top of our voices. The HF will do a brilliant, brilliant thing that covers the entire homestand. We go, oh, that's fantastic! There'll be a round of applause for the NAS, and within three minutes, it'll be, oh, fucking, this is shit. <laughs> Luca, <laughs> for Luca, Luca, stop. <laughs> but I can't. But no, I can't. To answer the question, yeah, I mean, I just want it. I've, I want it to end, basically. Yeah, I, 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 I agree with that, and um, it's it we. Technically, it's our best ever season in the Premier League so far, and it just doesn't feel like it. It's really weird. It's really weird. Um, Jack, I'll put another question to you. Actually, this is an interesting question, actually, given the context of what Kevin has just said. It's from Swedish Eagle. Hello, Swedish Eagle. Should should have known what hello in Swedish is. Sorry. Yes, I should have. Yeah, I should have prepped you. Yeah, also, um, she shouldn't have gone into a half-hearted Scandinavian accent either. You, <laughs> that's just my. That's just my normal you, posh accent. You can't, no, not you. Jack went kind of oh. half Swedish chef and then bailed out after the first, <laughs> after the first two syllables. You know what? I think I did uh, again. A second apology of the pod. Apologies to the nation of Sweden and the whole Scandinavian region. Apologies. Um, 
he said, he or she said, if the panel would pick a player of the season based on what we've seen so far, Ooh. who would make the conversation? Who would you pick and why? And the reason I ask that in the context Ooh. of what uh, what Kevin's just said is we've only watched games on TV. And I think you Ooh. get a bigger picture, you know, when you're at the game. So trying to pick a player of the season from a games you've only seen from TV, it's actually, it's actually quite difficult. Um, I think uh, the goalkeeper... Mm. Has had a very good season. Um, the Goita to give him his name, um, and the fact he's the fact he's played every game means he's, you know, uh, he's certainly earned his his corn this this season. Uh, he's had injury problems in other seasons where he's missed um, games here and there um, during the season. So he's he's been very impressive. I don't think he's um, had any runs of games where we thought, oh dear, um, he's he's not informed. So he's been very consistent and made some wonderful saves throughout the season. Um, and the other one that I probably will get some attention and is you know kind of the counterpoint of what we were discussing earlier about him being out of position. But I think Coyate will get um, mm. a fair bit of praise from fans because he's been played out of position um, for for the season and has done what I know, yeah, that there have been mistakes and there have been some some quite poor performances from him at centre-half. But typically, I think we can say that he's had a pretty good season considering he's, he's playing out of position. So I think the top two contenders would be uh, would be Vinny and, uh, and Czech. But I'd, I'd say if, if Wilf picks up a few more goals between now and the end of the season. He'll finish with a, a very healthy goal tally by Palace standards in the Premier League. And yeah, could could see him taking that. But that, I think he needs a, a bit of run of mm. uh, you know contributions to the, the goal tally between now and the end of the season. But those would be my three contenders, I, I think. Uh, Jesse, who would you be your contenders for a player of the season based on what we've seen from TV? I think if he hadn't got injured... Mitchell would be right up there because mm. I think he's he's going to win the young player of the year, isn't he, just by default because you just do give it to the youngest player that's broken through. But I think he has been brilliant, hasn't he? He's been great. Um, and, you know, he's kept out an international in PVA. He's given, really given him a run for his money. So there's a good little success story for us this year there. I mean, it's, it's quite bitty really, isn't it? Because it's sort of I feel like Gyro's stepped up but mm. also been slightly open to criticism because he's I don't think he's I think Gyro and Czech in the middle would be interesting but ironically I think Czech moving back has opened the door for Gyro so yeah. it's a bit of give and take there um, I think first half of the season you'd definitely give it to Zaha because he's he just put in so many goals up until sort of Christmas maybe a bit of January um, but quietened down a little bit now I, I find it a difficult one though I, I mean I, I get what Jack's saying about Kiate, and it, let's be honest, it's not his fault he's playing there, it's, it's the management. So he's dealt well out of position for sure, I'll give him, give him that. But ultimately, we've probably had our worst um, number of clean sheets, or we've, been, we've leaked more at the back than we have in any other year, so it's sort of hard to reconcile um, in defence. Typical Palace. Yeah, although I've just said Mitchell's had a great season, so you know, you can, I don't know. What do I know I'm talking about? It's a difficult one because. It's not really an out. No one's really stolen the limelight. I think Gaeta's been good, but maybe not stolen it as much as he did last year. So I'd find it really hard to pick someone. Particularly difficult, Jesse, because as as you say, no one, apart from Vincente, no one's played more than probably 20, 25 games, have they? I would have thought. I would, I would have thought, in terms of consistency and work rate, I'd probably throw Ayu into that as well. Because oh, he's yeah. certainly not our best player, but he's you know in in terms of what he's asked to do by the manager, he does that he does that really well. But it's it's interesting because normally you, we, at this stage of the season you've got two standouts straight away, and then you're hard to discover. Just, and normally it's a keeper, and then one plus one over. But 
That's, I mean, Mitchell's always going to get, if it's going to be our youngest player, Wardy would nearly qualify for young player of the year. And, and well, he, was, he was my, yeah. Well, I was, was waiting for you, after, yeah. after last week's shameless loving, I was amazed that you didn't go straight for Wardy. But again, Wardy's had a really, he would be, recently, last few games, you'd go, considering what we expected of him, he's, had a, he's done really, really well. And so it's, that's a different, I, I wonder if, I presume they'll have to have a player of the season when they mm-hmm. virtual, but it'd be interesting to see who the players vote for us. As player as their player of the season, I think by this time last year, by the time we had the lockdown last year, IU had kind of wrapped it up because he scored that wonder goal, goal against West Ham and yeah. and the goal against Brighton. So yeah, I think he was already even before the season was you know curtailed early or at least paused early. Um, he kind of had it wrapped up, but yeah, I think basically the conversation just sums it up. Really, there's no clear yeah. candidate, and for me, Vicente is up there simply because he's played so many games and has been a you know, consistent performer, but. I guess, you know, 10 games to go of the season. It's it's there to be one, boys. Even more incentive for a nil-nil at home to West Brom. <laughs> <laughs> um, final question then uh, from Russell Levy. Hi, Russell. Hello, Russell. And he agrees with us and says, football without fans is a bit crap, isn't it? What song are you looking forward to belting out the most when we're eventually let back into the stadium? Kevin, because uh, Glad, Glad Love is a great song. But it's, not, it's not an emotional yeah. one, is it? Is We Love You... I'm not going to sing it, but that, that's the one where we go all follow. That'll be, I think that'll be the one that probably gets me the most emotional. I think, I mean, I can't wait. I think, I think probably people will be crying. I, I, I suspect that when I get in back into the Paulsons, I'll be crying. I think there'll be a lot of, in my, well, generally, I think there'll be, because that'll be final confirmation that we've kind of come through it, basically. Mm. And I, I think the first game of the season when it's a full, and I, I just hope that, it's not done by increments. I just hope that by the time June the 21st comes by, we've all been sensible enough that when September comes around, we, we can start with full stadia rather than saying, right, you can have 10,000, then you can have 12, and then you can have 14. Because I think I think whenever, whenever the first night is or the first afternoon is that we're all back in there together, and there will be people moaning about how tickets have been allocated and whatever, but I think that'll be the, that'll be the, the moment. And I think that'll be the one where we're all in... 15, 20 minutes before kickoff to, yeah. to just savour that, to savour that episode. The only problem is trying to remember the names of the people that used to sit around this season <laughs> tickets. Like, and just hope somebody mentions their name. But I know it's, um, it's, yeah, Glad All Love is a kind of party song. It'd be right. It's not an emotional one, but I think, no. yeah, it's a good question. Uh, Jack? Uh, when I was a young boy? Yeah, you still up? said to me, Oh, that's, thank you, Kev. That's very much Um Yeah, I think that that would be the one that that gets um, that gets us going, doesn't it? As a yeah. as a ground. Um, but yeah, I mean, talking about you know Kevin getting emotional going through the going into the portions. I think when the train pulls out of Hayward Heath, will be about as far north as I've been for a fair few months. I can't yeah, even yeah. that. Yeah. Tears on the platform. But anyway, yeah. uh, Jesse, I'd like us to. Can someone fashion a song out of? Uh, first Premier League team to be shown on BBC and Amazon. You'll never see that. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I just say, by the way, this referees podcast I appeared on yesterday. The 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 leader of the pack of the referees was a he ran the line uh, and he's a proper f- upgraded system. But he was officiated at Sellers Park, and he said Palace has got amongst the referee fraternity. Palace is a place they love refereeing really yeah and he said it's interesting he was talking about they've people have just started doing statistics about the number of yellow and red cards given with crowds and without 
Yeah. Uh, and he said at Sellers Park, the, the numbers are quite noticeable. I can't remember. It's like there's far more yellow cards given to opposition players when there's a full Sellers Park oh. going on. So, oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, there's science behind it. Literal science. Yeah. Um, right. Thank you for your questions. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to, after that break, preview uh, that West Brom game. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Welcome back to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Hey. Pod three seventy four. It's West Brom at home on. I think it's a Saturday three pm kickoff. It is Saturday three pm. Oh, yeah. yeah, madness, yeah. absolute madness. Um, it's a big game, Jack. You know, as Kevin said earlier, potentially a game that's going to secure our survival. All but uh, we've had a few questions. Uh, I Matthews. Hi. Has said, hello, is, hello. West Brom, <laughs> is West Brom is West Brom a, a must win? Uh, and Stephen Rodan, Rodin, Rodan, I'm going to say it with the with the French inflection. Um, should Wilf start against West Brom? It's not a must win because of where we are in the league. It's a must win for them. I think yeah. um, they'll be looking at it as a as a must win. And Wilf should start because we are the best Palace side that we can be when Wilfred Zaha's in the team. So, yes. Um, they, they. I know we talked earlier about them being fairly poor at the back. They have only conceded one in the last three games. Um, so you know, Allardyce has done a job in that he he's tightened them up a bit um, at the back. And if I have any concerns about this game, it's in midfield, where you know we talked earlier about you know us being not perhaps especially dynamic, and we don't have great options in the middle. It's likely to be Gyro and Luca um, again from the start. Uh, Allardyce has, you know, recruited fairly well, and Maitland-Niles on a on a loan was a good piece of business. But mm. um, okay, uh, Koshlu, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, has been very impressive as the kind of pivot of the three. Um, the three being um, those two that I've just mentioned and Conor Gallagher. So there's lots of energy in that midfield, and if if we are going to get any trouble, I think it will be in that part of the pitch. But that's where obviously, you know, we need to do well there and and in other areas of the pitch. But he seems to have got a, a good engine room going um, and that will be, you know, a competitive part of the pitch as it always is. But I think Allardyce has put a lot of effort into to improving that part of West, uh, West Brom's um, team performance. And you'd like to think they've used up all their luck for the season in the Brighton game, surely. And the, the only thing we have to hope for is that Lee Mason's not refereeing and decide, say, decides, to give it, <laughs> decides, to, <laughs> decides to carry on with his... <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if that calf strain he got against uh, in that game uh, is a calf strain that leads to retirement. Yeah, well, well, he yeah, he certainly that. won't be refereeing at the Amex until at least January, <laughs> February next season, I don't think. <laughs> but I think, I think, I think Jack's right. I mean, West Brom have improved. Allardyce always improves teams. He always makes them stronger, more organised. There's always a probably 10% more energy and endeavour from a, an Allardyce team when he takes over. But I don't see anything watching West Brom until it that makes me think that we're not a better team than now. It's just maybe I exaggerated earlier when I said we're better than them by the same factor Tottenham better than us, but we're a better team and then we should be we should be getting three points from them without 
yeah, we, we, it won't be an easy game. Of course, it won't. I don't think it'll be a high-scoring game. But they 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 tend to concede goals in every most of the games they play. So, and I, th- I think one goal will probably be enough to win it. Really, like. uh, yeah. Although obviously it's a different West Brom team, or certainly different manager to when we played them at uh, the Hawthorns earlier in the season. A manager that knows us very well. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see how he sets up against uh, Palace. Uh, Jesse, let me just bring the mood down with a, with a question here from Michael Phillips. He says, how much are we looking forward to four defensive midfielders playing against West Brom <laughs> by the attacking threat of the only team with the worst defensive record than us? This Enjoy. It's got the makings of a banger, hasn't it? Uh, I- well, we know we've scarred them with the result we we got last time, and I think no time like the last match for Benteke to score a dominating head, header. That Allardyce went like that. That's his language, so he'll be worried about that as well. Um, I just think we've got to take the game to them. We've got to really just yeah. start start on the front foot and you know put them under pressure because they won't like it. They really, really, really cannot afford to lose. They have to win. Mm. So we should just take full advantage of that urgency that they should yeah. have. Um, I mean, they're quite. I think they've got a couple of dangerous attackers that they and they bought a few penalties quite, quite cleverly as well. So, I expect goals, but uh, we should we should really take the initiative on this. And I think, as as we've mentioned, with an attacking, uh, showing the attacking intent with that sub at Spurs, um, sort of bodes well. I think Roy's in the mood for um, finishing the season with some goals. So let's see it. Let's see it on Saturday at the. Uh, Unusual three o'clock kickoff time. Yes, uh, Roy's in the mood. That's uh, mm. I might make that the name of the six podcast. Currently, the name is "It's a Puppet," which is a <laughs> no, Brian Connolly reference there. For anyone that remembers him, I think he's still going. Um, but anyway, um, yes, let's hope that Roy and Palace are in the mood uh, on Saturday because it would certainly uh, make the rest of the season uh, a bit more stress-free if Palace can get a decent win against the Baggies. Um, lads, thank you very much for joining me for this week. I felt like that was quite a nice upbeat pod, despite yeah. the fact we lost 4-1. Um, so thank you very much for joining me. Thank you to The Athletic for sponsoring this episode. Uh, if you're part of our patron at patreon.com forward slash FYP podcast, you'll get a post-match pod with Dom, Selzy and Rob straight after that West Brom game. And we'll be back next week with another main podcast. And then, Kevin, we've got two two weeks off, so we might have to think of some themes for pods for those weeks. If any listeners have got suggestions. Uh, puppets. Puppets, yes. We'll, we'll have, have a quiz. Palace puppets. Palace puppets. Uh, we could do a quiz, actually. That's not I bad. I used to have a puppet called Pardew that I took to the 1990 FA Cup final and then threw it away after the replay in disgust. What did it? What did it look like? What, it was a little. It was a little tiny tiger. It's a little puppet which I bought. I can't remember which game it was. We were coming. It was coming back from Cambridge when I was really drunk, and they were having to sober me up because I was comparing a comedy store. And I think we bought this puppet from a, a service day. I remember being sick in the in the sink at the comedy store dressing room. But oh, um, but yeah, so beautiful then, story. It's lovely, isn't it? So, yeah. Uh, yeah, Ali was Ali Kind of, kind of gentler times. Indeed, <laughs> always said that. Brilliant. Rather apt for a puppet called Pardy, though. I think yeah. it kind of suits. Yeah. Yeah, would, would you, ever, you have to have a little dancing puppet now called Pardew, wouldn't you? On <laughs> the <laughs> <Yeah. All> strings. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, I'm glad we ended with that story. That was lovely. Um, thanks for listening. We'll see you again next week. Goodbye.
It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Sports Social Podcast Network.